0: Hello and welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, author of How to Start a Side Hustle, and resident business coach. Serving you straight up business advice to help you start, grow, and scale the business of your dreams. Welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford. And on today's episode, we have two very special guests who are the founders of Foil, which is a skincare label all about sustainability and refilling but also just cool branding and a product that is not only building a community and supporting more brands to be sustainable and uh, environmentally friendly in their product development um, but also a company of two friends who started a business together and we chat in really real terms about what it was like to be co-founders and come together on on an idea and uh, Sue and Alex share some insights into how they do that. Uh, We also chatted about how they survived their business growing and starting through COVID uh, the process they went to develop their product and they give some really incredible insights and advice for anyone who might be looking to do the same as well as touching on having a child through starting a business and their marketing and brand values and how they stuck to that um, even when it was hard and took a lot longer than they would think. So incredible story, amazing women, uh, awesome brand, and lots of very generous insights for anyone looking to start their own product based business, especially in the the skincare um, space. All right, enjoy the episode, guys. Look forward to hearing what you think. Welcome to the podcast, Sue and Alex. Nice to have you guys here, ladies.
1: Hello. Nice to be here.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Well, uh, well, why don't we kick off with you guys introducing yourselves and your business um, and tell us a bit about what you do.
2: Um, well, hi guys. Um, I'm Sue um, from Foil and um, this is when we're on here today with,
0: oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm just so, don't so go for it. I'm actually so glad you said, I mean, I, that I kind of stitched you up there because <laughs> I have proven pronouncing your business folly, I think. <laughs> No, we so, love
1: that. Everyone's done. We've had everything under so the sun. And we, yes, it's foil.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's, why, why foil? It's, it's, so you got, what's your tagline? Is it, um, uh, yeah, cosmetic, no, it's, what is the word?
1: It's a clean cosmetic. skincare brand. And our tagline is take your skin to new highs.
0: Oh, I like. Yeah. And what I I actually came to your store when you had that really cool store in Bondi. Yeah. Oh, the concept That's- store. Yeah, which was awesome. And I think it was one of those brands, which was, I think it might have been 2020 now. Was that? But it was like it, it created hype. So I know you're not there at the moment, but anymore, but I see I've seen you pop up everywhere else. But yeah. from a business consumer perspective um I remember seeing it come to life and be like what's going to happen there and then it was this really beautifully designed experience and I was my friend and I were like oh we have to go and check out that store it's opening thank um, you well we yeah. actually
1: signed the um we signed the lease of that space on the Friday at, in 2020 um it must be March and on the Monday we went into lockdown So we hadn't actually picked up the keys for the space yet and we had to, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but Sue and I had to really sit with the idea that, um, you know, I think we'd paid the deposit, signed the lease and we were like, we don't know what's going to happen in this, Mm -hmm. you know, environment. Like, do we pick up the keys? We needed to do quite an extensive, like, fit out um, to bring it to life and things. And, you know, we were kind of in that Crossroads of you know, do we let go of this or do we go forward?
0: Yeah, wow. I mean, let's definitely jump into that. But maybe we'll go back to where we <laughs> st- we started before, before Sue derailed us. You start that, <laughs> <out. laughs> <Get out>, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, Foil, the founders of Foil, which is <laughs> a um, cosmetics line. That's right, skincare yeah, uh, sustainable did, did you use the word sustainable eco-friendly sustainable?
2: I think like sustainability is like a huge part of the business but I think like you know for us like we understand like we're still a business and we're still like consuming so I think for us like we're really just trying to shift the industry to you know a more circular economy and you know have less waste but we are very um open and honest that like we are still a business and we're still producing, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um and we're just trying to do the best that we can and look at the beauty industry and think, you know, what's the best way forward? You know, we still want skincare and people still want access to it, but you know, can it be done in a way where um you know
0: there is less, less waste and you know, from a refillable approach. Mm, I love this. And I'm so excited to get into um refilling as a concept because it's a um it's almost like a new behavior as well, you know, in, in a quite a glam industry, I would say that it's like, you know, Aesop was one of those brands that really was just like, you know, it's a flex, like when did the hand soap begin a flex in somebody's house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you guys, this is your second business as well. Is that right? Um, somewhere together, but let's start there. So tell us yeah. how, you, how you got into this in the first place.
2: Well, um, Al and I met probably almost six years ago now. So we, I started Nimbus, which is a like sauna wellness business um, with my husband, probably almost seven years ago now. And um, the business kind of just grew really organically from there. My background is in nutrition, um, but um, a strong passion for, I guess, alternative health and wellness. So Al and I actually met when she came into Nimbus and asked me for a job. Um, and at the time, like we were, we were still really new, like literally, like I think I probably had like one of my other good friends working for me and my husband and I were working like pretty much seven days a week. We didn't have a huge team at all. And Al literally walked in and kind of asked me for a job. And at the time we didn't literally have a job, but I just found like this really special connection with her. And for some reason I was like to Neil, I remember just having a conversation. I was like, I've met this like girl, like Al, she's amazing. Um, I think I just want to hire her. And he's like, okay.
0: Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Kind of hired her. (laughs) And we just became like, kind of like wing women and sidekicks and she, um, joined the business and we just really, our friendship and like work, um, really grew together and we couldn't believe like we just have a really special relationship pretty much and
0: it kind of just grew from there um and she actually opened our Byron studio. Amazing I love that I'll uh, tell us about um walking in and asking for the job.
1: <laughs> well I actually lived around the corner and I'd just come um out of uh working in fashion like since I was sort of 17, 18, I guess, and um, I'd gone back to study herbal medicine and I was like, I need a job to pay the pills while I study and um, I'd seen Nimbus had opened round the corner and I thought it would be... um, such amazing like peripheral like learning um you know being surrounded by that environment and yeah they weren't even advertising (laughs) I just walked in and I was like hi can I have a job
0: (laughs) you need me (laughs) yeah I was like you
1: need me no (laughs) um but yes when I just as um you know testament to what she just said like we had such a natural affinity um and yeah that feels like a hundred years ago not you know, six. Um, mm. we're so intertwined as family, I guess now. And um yeah, it was just mm. it was such a like charts meeting and amazing opportunity. And it was nice that we could um explore like our professional relationship through Nimbus before starting FOIL mm. um and kind of see, you know, where we connected on. And you know, Sue and I are very um honest and upfront with each other about where. You know, our strengths and weaknesses, why, um, and, you know, how best to utilize those, and then where all the gaps are. So,
0: Um, I mean, that's a a podcast episode in itself, because I get asked that question all the time about going into business with someone. And, Mm
1: -hmm. you know, I
0: also have been on the people come to me for business coaching after their partnerships haven't worked and they're trying to either split or start again. Um, And so, yeah, I think there's some really good tips in there around having that, you know, business relationship and getting along as people. I think sometimes people you underestimate the power of just liking the person you're in business with, you know, because mm. like, you actually. Want oh yeah, to definitely.
2: It's huge. Like, I mean, having a friendship, Um, and a business together, you know, is challenging. But I think at the end of the day, like you need to have that mutual respect for each other and understand and respect how like each people operate. And I think like if you can kind of start there, um, you know, and then also just understand like setting boundaries and really kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty in the very beginning, it kind of saves time later on. But also I guess like you can say one thing and things change, you know, and life can become really challenging and especially in business, you know, you're making really strong decisions and sometimes it's um really overwhelming. So it's only natural that sometimes it's not um always easy. Um I feel super blessed that Al and I have the relationship that we have, but we also, you know, we still have challenges together. Um but it's I guess it's just about communication and like being respectful of each other. Um and you know just trying to figure it out
0: together. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And you end up
1: being like a um it's like a marriage like the commitments like that you you're going to like weather a lot of storms I guess together and um, it's just like that willingness to like drop the ego and like continually like mm-hmm. come back to one another and like workshop and you know you're you're on the same team and I think that's just that's the main thing that we've mm-hmm. always felt so.
0: Yeah which is good and I think that you know having that testing ground of um, Nimbus. So how far into Nimbus um, and working together before um oil came along. I'm looking at the word that's written in front of me now and I'm like, I don't know how I got followed. But <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> I swapped Wale. the L and the eye around.
2: Um, it was only uh, really four years, was it Al? I think I go. the idea kind of came to life um, to start FOIL. Um, and you know, Al had been in Byron for probably what, you've probably been there yeah. for a the year. Yeah. Um, before the idea came to us. um, And I think it was kind of like many things coming together. I don't think there was one particular thing that um, we just decided on Uh, how the business started it's kind of like we had an interest to probably work together outside of I guess Nimbus and both Al and I really you know we have a a love for I guess um conscious beauty products and things like that and we also wanted to dive we've been working in a service-based business and for us we really wanted to kind of um switch it up and work in a product-based business so I think there were like so many elements to um how it started really Mm -hmm.
0: I like that because um, somebody asked me the other day about, you know, I've got so many different ideas and I don't know where to start and I keep changing my mind. And it, they like this story because I think you, you you learn skill sets and you start with something and, you know, you stick at it and you get the the entrepreneur and the business skills. And then, yeah, it's like a game kind of where you're just like, what else can we apply this to, you know, and it's mm-hmm. you learn so much from being in the game that you're, you don't have to be stuck in that one business forever, you know, you will have new ideas and you will keep, you know, evolving your skills and challenging yourself, you know.
1: And giving yourself permission to, I guess, like that was the part of the process is you don't have to have it. I think um, you know, there's so many people and you know, us included, like you put that pressure on yourself to have everything fully conceptualized and then that's locked in and that's what you're um, you know, creating. And I think that, you know, clarity is so Important, but you have to give yourself space and permission to like grow and evolve a business, mm-hmm. an idea, you know, respond to what's, um, you know, what what's actually happening with mm-hmm. like your audience and the industry and you know, the world at large and things, and yeah, be able to kind of evolve with it rather than mm-hmm. being, um, you know, right from the beginning, this is everything and Got that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, I
0: yeah. Love that is so you. Four years into Nimbus, how long ago did you start FOIL? It was only about... No, sorry, FOIL ago. was four years ago. So we've been oh, working
1: together for two years, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. And so you started four years ago. Yes. Yeah. Next
1: month will be four years, which is wow. crazy.
0: And so what were some of those first steps? And I think was yeah, really good advice there, Alex, around that. Yeah, you don't have to just, you know, an idea pops into your head. It's okay to take your time in concepting it and understanding it as well. But yeah, what was that phase? Like, obviously, you know, I think most people who start a business can attest to the fact that we go, oh, I've got an idea now. Like, we're just constantly full of ideas. Um, but yeah, what were the, some of those early stages that you guys were like, oh, no, I think this has got legs. We should give it a crack.
2: I, oh, I think it's changed to be honest, like when we first started the idea, it actually started as just a single product. We really wanted to create like just a, um, like a body oil essentially, um, that would be housed in this really beautiful bottle. So I guess the first steps for us were we really wanted to like create like a bespoke um, bottle to house the product in. Um, so that was like a huge part of the business um, in in the beginning. And when we actually started the process, we just started, I guess, um you know going through different types of inspiration pictures um coming together to design and we were originally going to design for those who don't know like now we have like our glass vessel bottles um and we actually wanted remember how we were going to do a ceramic bottle mm-hmm. oh, so the first <laughs> process we went down was like how do we make this custom ceramic bottle um and we you know we are talking to different suppliers um you know potentially like going to work with people in Japan to make it. Um, So it was, yeah, I guess the first step was just to figure out what were we going to, what was the product essentially going to look like and what was the bottle going to be? Mm.
0: Can I ask about that process? Because I think it is interesting in a time where we mentioned it before of like, you know, the ASOPs and, you know, there was lots of different people, but, you know, everyone kind of stuck to it also I think why you guys have been coming to mind for me a lot lately is because I was, have been on that bandwagon and really feeling the guilt when you go to get your replacement of being like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just coming in for, you know, more plastic, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, going, there needs to, they need a refillable version or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, that's right. (laughs) Um, But it's, What was that process? Because it's, I know that, you know, starting a product-based business in itself is expensive and a lot of things and a lot of outgoings, let alone starting with something that isn't an off-the-shelf, you know, like (laughs) you don't get (laughs) Yeah, we
1: literally look at it now and we're like, oh, uh uh-huh, that's why beauty brands like buy, you know, an off-the-shelf
0: thing and then
1: they put a sticker on and I'm like, yes, that's why. (laughs)
0: But I love that you stuck to it, right? And so, yeah. you know, it's obviously important value for you, but what was that process like? How long did it take? Like, it's really kind of, bit, it's almost like an art mould. <laughs> yeah,
1: it took, Describe um, it for
0: people at home, by the way, because I know what we're talking about, but what does it look like?
1: It's a very curvaceous, like organically shaped um, glass bottle that has um, quite a like thick, lid on the top that's um actually the shape of the drop of oil which is um the dot above the eye in our logo um so there's quite subtle like branding throughout and there's two bottles um ones the we more refer to it as like our earth bottle which is the green bottle with a blue lid um which houses our um more formulated skincare and then our more sky bottle which is blue with a cream lid um houses like our very singular um face oils and body oil
0: mm, and you've, you've branched out but let's go back to the bottle because yes yeah um so bottle. we spent
1: yeah two years creating that um bottle which I think if someone told us that at the beginning I mean Sue and I are pretty determined but I think you know looking down two years we um that might have scared us off like if we quite if we knew the journey that was you know ahead of us um and you know we did a lot of stumbling in the in the first few months or probably the first six months especially as Sue um was talking about like just discovering what kind of like materials we'd want to be using how we could create this and then make it viable um on scale Um, And we eventually decided to um, engage with a boutique industrial design firm in Sydney called Vert. Um, They also designed the Husky Cup um, and that sort of thing. So they, I think, really understood what we were trying to create and why and really helped us with, like, the functionality as well as the beauty of the bottle. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was a very involved process, um, which also carried through the beginning of lockdown. So we would sort of, I mean, before lockdown, we'd go to their office and, you know, back and forward and things. But then other times it was making Play-Doh molds and showing them on video like no we want it you know more like mm-hmm. this and more shaped like this and um yeah it was a very involved process and so when I learned a lot about everything that we would never have thought about down to like the um you know the screw size on the top of the bottle and how many you know deep and everything basically everything. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> no I love it. And so two years just to develop the bottle. Yes. yes, just to do the bottle, and so yeah. because
2: that process took so long, we actually the we actually signed the lease to the to the store in hope that by the time we were opening the store, we thought we would have our bottles ready and that we would be launching our concept store with these amazing bottles. But obviously, um, with COVID, we hit so many challenges with delays um, in terms of production, but also just the design element took us so long to refine. Um, you know and get right that we actually had signed the lease, um, COVID hit, and then we basically had to make the decision obviously whether we were going to open or not, and also whether we were going to open the store even without our own bottles. Mm, so yeah. we basically launched the store, um, with a completely different bottle. Um, and obviously we had partnered with lots of Australian and international, like premium skincare brands, um, to help their brands obviously refill in store. But yeah, we decided to actually launch the brand without even um
0: our own bottle essentially because wow. that's how long it took to for us to refine that was that painful decision to make was it were you like yeah. yes
1: I think I think we had a cry I think we definitely yeah. had a cry about that that we were like felt a little bit defeated I think because of um COVID as well like manufacturing had really slowed down and um mm. you know created a few hurdles and I think that we You know, we're so fixated on like this bottle that we'd spent so long creating and invested so much money into as well, um, that to open the concept store without that felt, um, yeah, painful. I guess like in a way, Um, but Sue is the
0: design. um, Like, because it's it's really fascinating to me. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's the giving so much to that, right. It's like, you know, there is a lot of startup advice that can be like, you know, minimal viable product, just get something out there, build your brand, come back and do your dream bottle down the track, you know, but this like, no, we really want to launch with this. I mean, is it, was it also like, yeah, that point of difference, the market, you know, I think eventually turned into a, a marketing strategy, whether you knew that from the beginning or not, that's how I perceive it. But yeah, that, um, I guess it's, the sustainable or like you know conscious side of it too. It's like if people love the bottle and they spend time and energy on that, they're more likely to refill it and stay with us as a brand as well. Of
2: course, absolutely.
1: absolutely create that connection.
0: That was like a huge driving
2: force behind why we wanted to create such a beautiful bottle. Because you know, if people found that they loved that and they wanted that sitting on their bedside table, they were totally more likely to refill time and time again. But I think as well, like for us to make the decision to actually just launch the brand without it, we were still so determined that we were going to have this bottle eventually that we didn't really want to stop the growth of the business. And in a way, it probably played out in in our favor because by opening the store, it really allowed us to speak to our customers firsthand and also learn a lot of mistakes and you know test the market in terms of what products um, you know people were really wanting and what products you know maybe they weren't so connected to as well. So it was actually like an amazing opportunity for us to really just learn and explore without our bottle. And then by the time we got it, we felt like really um, solid in our decision and the business was in growing in the right direction.
0: Mm, how far how long after till the bottles arrived?
1: Oh, it would have been like after we, oh, eight months maybe. Like we didn't even have them. um, I don't think the whole time we had the concept store. Um, But Sue is very resourceful and an out-of-the-box thinker. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, I think we were maybe five days out from opening the store and we literally didn't have a bottle to put anything into um and yeah as I said like supply had been um Come with so your stalled. Hands. <laughs> literally yeah just yeah just up. we were like do people just bring a container from
0: home <laughs> 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 byo tougher work
1: <laughs> yeah but um we bought these you know just plain beautiful like heavy weighted um rectangular glass bottles and we were like oh we could you know put a sticker on or we could screen print them or you know, these sorts of things, but we were like, you know, in, in lieu of our bottle, we still want it to have this, um, longevity, you know, we don't want to be uh, creating the waste. We want people to still be able to utilize these bottles. So Sue, we were like researching like crazy online, trying to find, um, someone to help etch the bottles. And Sue found a, um, a trophy engraver that was sort of kind of out of business because of COVID. Like he would normally do like um you know kids local soccer Mm. tournament you know and do the thing we were like perfect he can etch etch the bottles for us so Sue found this guy we loaded the back of her like small SUV with about 200 kilos of glassware and just drove straight down to Wollongong and we needed to drop off the glassware And sample at the same time if it was going to work so we dropped off a couple of bottles he got started on the sample we went and had a few beers at the pub and waited for him to finish the bottle and we came back it looked beautiful and we just unloaded all of the glassware and we were like we need this on monday we're opening Mm -hmm. the store
0: (laughs) amazing i love that i think yeah it's like you committed to the long term but you're not going to let it stop you from, you know, all of these other aspects as well. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. So tell us a little bit more about the concept of the business because I don't think I understood too that uh, the refilling of other brands. What, what was, give us the their pitch.
2: I think with the store, we wanted to, because of refillable skincare, there was definitely growth in, I guess, People wanting to access products from a refillable perspective, but none of the big beauty brands are really doing it. And I know that like it's something that they've probably been working on for a really long time, but we wanted to, I guess, connect with probably more indie brands to see if we could help them um, facilitate a refillable um. I guess, process in our store. So we basically pitch to brands to stock in our store and offer to refill their products. So the way that it would essentially work is they would be able to supply us bulk and then people would bring in the packaging from, I guess, their brand and us refill in store. Um, so yeah, it was, it was new to us and it was also new to a lot of the brands that we had on board, but they were so incredible and really open to, um, exploring and testing the market with us to see if this would be a viable option for them as well, because I'm pretty sure out of all the brands that we stocked in store, I'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think any of them were refilling just yet, were they? No.
1: And that was what was so, you know, beautiful about that process was actually having trust in us, they didn't know us. We hadn't even opened the store yet. Um, and you know, but to be, yeah, for them to allow us to like facilitate that, I think was um a great experiment for them to, you know, see how that process would work and and also contribute to what we were trying to mm. do. I think um, particularly Less, which is a um beautiful clean skincare brand from California, LAFE. Um, an Australian um, like body wash and hand wash um, company and things. And yeah, they weren't offering refills mm. at the time. Um, so it was and a- so
0: alongside that, you were also doing your own formulas as well. That's incredible, right? In terms of like collaboration, because, you know, I think one of the questions I had for you is this, very um competitive you know industry I feel that can be well from an outside I'm not in it but you know yeah everyone's competing. I think maybe because I don't uh wear that much makeup or have a very <laughs> extensive skincare routine. Um I tend to just kind of have my brands and stick with it, you know, and so to yeah to trust to put their brand in and alongside and also to put their brand in your name. We're also, yeah, you're also that com- and competitor. Like it's pretty amazing what you, you know, to bring the collaboration of, of your competitors and help them out whilst also wanting to sell to their same customer. But it's genius.
2: <laughs> well, in a way, we've never really been scared of a competition because I think the driving force is like for Al and I, like we really truly want like all the brands to be able to do a little better and it's like I think the only way forward and for them to be able to do that is everyone working together rather than like everyone working against each other and it's like there's always space for so many people and so many amazing brands because it's like I don't even use, like, I'm a very low-key skincare gal, so is Al, but, like, I don't just use one single brand, you know, I'm connected Mm -hmm. to lots of brands because of their messaging and, you know, um, their products and things like that. So it's, like, for us, we just wanted to be able to, like, learn together and grow Mm -hmm. together. Um, So it was an opportunity for, like, I guess them and us and it was really nice that they also felt the same. I think Mm. that feels really supportive and yeah, we ask more businesses, but I think if we can all kind of have that attitude, you know, rather than be like scared that they're a competitor, it's like, we can just work together.
0: No, I love it. It's also, yeah, it makes sense, right? It's like pool our resources as small businesses and, you know, buy the one machine or whatever it is, you know, like it's really, it's smart. And I love, yeah, even I think something that I am constantly trying to hack from a business coaching, you know, Perspective is, uh, and I think I keep going back to it is like this idea of when you ooze your core values so deeply. You know, I think when I reached out to you guys, it was this seeing the trajectory of. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you've had a very steady, ongoing trajectory of of growth and and you, yeah. Every I was at Paramount House the other day and saw you on the shelves and you know these things and. I think, yeah, it's like success follows people who stand firmly in what they do and live and breathe it. And I think sometimes brands don't spend enough time developing a a bottle that's, you know, they love or or finding outside of the box ways to diversify a business, not just we're going to just push and sell our product and, you know, just get something out there, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's like if we want to... um you know, pioneer like a, a change in the beauty industry. It's not just what we're offering product wise, it's like how we're doing business, like mm. also needs to change. Um and so like us having, you know, and and have had like, you know, beautiful private conversations with founders of other um, you know, indie beauty brands. And that's been incredible, like to um yeah, so you don't feel, you know, isolated, everyone kind of behind their brand, you know, creating it's like we all share similar problems. And as you said, like pull mm. our resources, like even if that's just knowledge or um, you know, whatever that we can uh offer, you know, Sue and I pretty open book, like we mm. it's um, yeah, we want everyone to succeed
0: and yeah, a mm. big part of it. I love that. And so me giving the glam story, which we said we weren't going to do, of, and now we've got it all together. But tell us a little bit about that. So obviously the the store and COVID and, you know, what has the growth been like? What have been, you know, some of the highs and lows and challenges for you guys? And, and how have you consistently kept showing up and still are showing up? You want me to go? Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> When we start oh, there have been like so many challenges. Like we are, you know, we're a really lean team, like to the point where we're we're a tiny team and we're completely self-funded and like bootstrapped from the beginning. So like we have so many big dreams and it feels like probably from the outside the growth um the the growth has been huge but it feels like very slow and steady to us I think because each day we kind of wake up and there's so many things that you have to tackle that it's like it it's sometimes well
0: oh, I don't even know where I'm going with this <laughs> yeah no but I think it's that it's nice to hear that um slow it feels slow and steady because yeah I think consistency. consistency is what I've seen from you guys and it's not an overnight success you know no. Is.
2: It's definitely not. And I think, like, for us, like, the store was, like, a great launch pad um, to be able to, like, you know, connect with our customers, um, especially face-to-face, because, like, beauty, you know, um, we really wanted to, like, break down those stereotypes. And I think sometimes when you're doing that solely online, it's really hard to um, connect to, to people because you just don't have that, like, intimate relationship with them. So I think, like, that was a great launch pad. But we then obviously, like, had our bottles were almost ready so we kind of just had made the decision and had an opportunity to you know close the store down and we really wanted to just focus our energy on you know launching our own formulas and growing the brand in a different direction and you know spending the time you know researching the refillable method and things like that so for us that was like a huge challenge like in itself like making the decision that we were actually going to close the store to be able to like open up other opportunities to grow the business because I think mm. Al and I have always been really realistic that like we actually actually can't do it all and like although the store is like or was such an amazing opportunity we really just had to be really clear on like what we were going to do and I think like in business sometimes you just have to be like it might look like a bad decision to close this door, but actually that means we're opening up the opportunity to do something else. Mm. Um, So like that was in itself was a huge challenge. And I think like just um, having COVID, figuring out like the formulations of the products. I also had like a baby last year um, Mm. and, you know, being a mom, running a business, and then also Al taking like a huge toll of like huge weight of the business you know where there's so many challenges that you face um and you know we have to make really uncomfortable decisions and you know work in ways that feel really um vulnerable sometimes so I think that yeah I don't you know I I think yes
0: because it's it's like that yeah the COVID I think because you would have closed right before like the full two-year craziness right it was like open close Mm -hmm. of that and having to back yourself and go All right and pivot and make decisions up as you go. And it's like, there's no way someone could have told you, like, you know, when you're developing this, like what you would have to endure. Um, and I think that's the thing. Yeah. Constantly telling people like just start because what you learn from getting in the game, um, you know, one can sit and teach you. I can, you, we can prep you and you can get advice, but it's like, you don't know what you're up against until you're in the game. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was just saying, going to say, like, to, it's an extremely humbling experience and running, like, owning a business and running a business. And um, to go back to, like, your question, I think one of the biggest challenges is honestly being, like, financially running the business. Like, as Sue said, like, we've, you know, we've independently funded, bootstrapped, like, this business, all of, last year I was shipping orders from my studio apartment. Um, you know, Sue now ships them. So it's um it's you know you you could get caught up in being like frustrated by being you know held back financially that we don't have this huge access to capital that say bigger brands might have and they have these amazing resources for you know advertising or product development and you know maybe that slows us down a bit and but you also then have these moments of like um of kind of you know, humor and laughing about it, that you're like, you can also lean into the fact that we are a micro business and I'm walking orders up to the local news agency because that's our depot and we ran out of tape and it's got some, you know, fluoro green packing tape on it and, you know, and its that's what's Mm. real. Like, and we, you know, we can't pretend to be anything else because we're
0: not. And so, Yeah.
1: yeah, you can kind of turn that around, I guess, sometimes.
0: I love that too, and it's like you know the front-facing of a business is like, oh, you you join the dots in your head of what you thinks going on, or you know whatever, and it's like this is these real conversations of like doesn't matter where you see us or what you you know how many followers or you know these things. It's like, yeah, there's two people sitting on a laundry room floor packing. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I love that. Hey, um, so if you don't mind me asking, what has been some of the experience with, I know I get this question a lot and I'm not a mum, so I never feel like I can answer it. So I'd like to ask our guest, um, how has that been with you with obviously being very entrepreneurial in business and also juggling mum life and all of that?
2: I think it's been like hugely rewarding and hugely challenging at the same time. I think like from a personal perspective, um, stepping into motherhood and then really letting go of the fact that I absolutely love to work and my work is like, you know, gives me such purpose, but accepting um, accepting that I probably need to take a step back and I'm not able to do it all, that was really hard for me and, like, mm. coming to terms with my new identity, I guess, as a mom and wanting to work and do it all but also, like, failing a lot of the time and, like, feeling a lot of it wasn't that I as a new mum felt guilt, it was more just like, you kind of feel like you're failing because you're trying to do so much, but you're not really getting anywhere. So like mm. for me the last year, that's been like a huge part of like, just kind of finding my feet again and finding the best ways of like coming back into work as a mum. But then also, mm. I guess like the responsibility of having, you know, a huge team, you know, around me, not a huge team, but like a lot of people that rely on me um, and me, you know, having to, you know, take a step back, but then in return, watching them, you know, pick up the pieces around me was really hard. Like, you know, Al worked so hard the last year, like the business, you know, she really took that on um, because she's, you know, in the business, but also one of my best friends. And it's like that has been such a challenge for both mm-hmm. of us Um, and really beautiful. But, you know, working in business and being a mom, it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only advice I could give is like, just be kind to yourself and also Don't feel guilty if you really love your work, like it's okay to want to work and want to do the things that you love. So just if you can find a way to do both um, and prioritize those things, like do that. And whether that's Mm -hmm. like communication with your partner to be able to find the space or, you know, I'm very privileged in the sense that, you know, we have a nanny now three days and that's been huge for me. Um, so if you can just find the space to be able to do those things or just you know take the time to um, figure it figure it out but yeah I think being a mom's amazing and being in business I wouldn't have it any other way but it's it's not easy
0: yeah yeah no it's thank not. you for sharing that I appreciate it no worries I'm, I'm also interested in because like I can tell that you guys are entrepreneurial and, and big thinkers because yeah, like looking at the business model in more detail, it's like this, you know, bespoke bottle, then also like your own formulas and, you know, doing your own range plus the whole, you know, refillable side. Was it, was there hard legally or what would, what did you have to understand from that perspective of refilling bottles sanitizing or what what was that kind of learning process or how does that work maybe even tips for people who who want to make their um maybe they've already got a line that they can start working towards refillables
1: i guess it depends on like what your um you know it's going to be individual to like everyone's um product I think because we started the business knowing that we wanted to make it refillable I think we you know shaped our whole process around that Um, that was a huge research and development phase of Mm -hmm. the business was how to make that viable especially when you know we didn't have the store anymore where we could facilitate that in person like to make refillable skincare accessible we needed to make that viable you know on scale and um you know people to be able to do so from home and I think that we had you have like perceptions in your mind of um what would be the best way to do so and it's in development that you learn that um yeah you're just I don't know how to explain it, but like that, um, the processes are not always what you think, and you don't we know spoke- what you
0: don't know. You know, mean, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. It's like, you don't yeah,
1: know what you don't know. <laughs> <age>. yeah. <laughs> we're um we're always learning on the job. Um, we spoke to uh some people that we really respect. Um in the industry that have, um, you know, not in skincare, but in, you know, that have another product that they've um, refilled. And then also back to um, the team that helped us develop the bottles and trying to understand also um, not only in terms of the viability of refilling skincare, but also in terms of the environmental impact, like the best way, because we're like, do they send their bottles back to us and we refill Mm -hmm. or, you know, how is this best to do so? And, one of the it's kind of a balance between making something um making the system you know accessible and easy to use because that's Mm -hmm. actually what's going to create the most amount of change like if if our customer finds it difficult or you know they're not going to enter into that process with us and Mm -hmm. so um you know, then it's completely redundant. So we needed something that was going to be really easy and seamless to use at home. And to be honest, like, I think that, you know, our refillable pouches were such an incredible solution for us and, um, you know, can be 100% recycled at home and they're also really good for travel because they're, like, super lightweight. Um, They're only 50 mils, that sort of thing. But, you know, there is still like we always need to um, be workshopping and I think that there'll be better solutions, honestly, in the future Mm. Like than what we have right now. I mean, this is our best answer now, but I think that Mm. there's amazing technologies that are coming out that will help us Mm. um, facilitate that better.
0: Yeah, amazing. How, How has it been with, you know, I know coming forward with such a strong value, like, you know, wanting to do good, you can also expose yourself to you know well how good are you doing you know then that side how is have you had any issues or you know feedback in that space where you know you you strive for a standard and it's classic tall poppy syndrome or just you know uh, people who've got too much time on their hands who go oh let's find holes in it or whatever you know but has that been an issue maybe not
2: We haven't had any issues yet, but I think that's because as a brand, we really try and be super transparent. It's like right now our refill pouches are 100% recyclable, but they're plastic because that's the only solution that we could think that was going to be viable for the business. And I think, you know, we wanted it to be like a biodegradable something that we, you know, wasn't going to make an impact. But from our research, we were just not able to house cosmetic products in that. So like, I think, from a business perspective, we can just be transparent that we're only doing the best that we can now. And I think we Mm. don't want to make claims that we're like 100%, you know, sustainable, um, you know, perfect because we're not. It's like we're going to make mistakes and like our dream with foil is, you know, to have our own farm. So then we have complete um, transparency in our supply chain. And it's like Mm. we've only just found a supplier that Alex found that we might be partnering with to help with our um, like Australian native ingredients. And like, I think it's, it's, this, it's a long-term goal for us to have like super transparency in everything, but it's also not realistic from the beginning. So no, we haven't yeah. had any problems, but right. I think it's because we want to be transparent, it's like, we're not, you know, we can always do better. Yeah. Amazing.
1: And we welcome um, that feedback as well. Like rather than taking it as like, um, a criticism or taking it personally, which is like very easy to do so in, mm. um, in business, but being like, no, this is, you know, an opportunity for us to maybe look into something that we had not or
0: you know? Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it comes back to that communication. Um, and you know, honestly, as, as a business as, and being connected to your business, I feel too. Um, I'm interested on the, obviously we've talked a lot about research and development. Seems like something you guys are spending a lot of time on constantly, but people wanting to start out in this space, whether it's, you know, skincare or any other, you know, product development, where's, what's your kind of tips for researching? I know when you hit the internet, it can be a big wide open space of (laughs) never ending information. Um, but what would your tips be for people looking to, uh, the you know, start a skincare label or whatever um, when they are starting out to research and develop their products? Google. I would say
2: <laughs> don't be afraid to actually connect with people that maybe have skincare brand or work in the industry. And I think like look to your current network. Like who do you know in your current network that maybe has worked in beauty, maybe worked in skincare, maybe has their own brand and just sit with them and talk. Because I think Al and I have always found like we're super random. Like we'll message people we haven't spoken to in like five years because we think, oh my God, so-and-so they're doing this. Maybe we could speak to them. And I think like when you're starting out <laughs> a business, like you i always scared and you can spend so much time on the internet researching things, but really you just need to speak to real life people and you might assume that those people are really guarded and they don't want to help you, but a lot of the time people do. And I think that's your best research is like Mm. sitting with people that have experience or getting their opinions. It's like, there's no better way to do that. Obviously there's probably like, you know, certain, especially when you're working in skincare or beauty, you need to find your formulators and your packaging and things like that. That takes time. And I think that you need to sit and maybe go on the internet and meet with people. But I think it's more just like finding the solutions online for suppliers and then just sitting with them face-to-face and getting to know them um, would be my best advice um, and the best place to start. But also you're just going to have to figure it out along the way and you're probably going to make mistakes and you're not going to know until you just put yourself out there. (laughs) Mm. Yeah,
0: great. And
1: um, we're very grateful for our chemist, which is, um, Ayla, who is based in Melbourne and um, we develop all our skincare from scratch with her and um, she manufactures our skincare as well. So I would say, you know, if, particularly if you're going into skincare, like having a um, having a chemist that really um, also understands like the principles and like what you're trying to achieve um, is really valuable and, yeah, also understanding whether you want to formulate from scratch or whether you want to, you know, buy off-the-shelf um, products. But um yeah, I think being an out-of-the-box like thinker as well also helps. Um Sue's really great at that. I think we're both like similar in that way that it's um it's not all the always like the most linear pathway. Mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. And I think that it's a good reminder because, yeah, it's this whole conversation theme is, you know, like, yeah, you don't know what you don't know and you've got to get out there and and relationships and communication is so vital. It doesn't matter how good your business plan is on paper, I feel.
2: Mm.
0: Mm.
1: And that probably comes back to our, like, um, also when people are building um, their teams as well. I mean, maybe ours is not, I don't know, the best, model for, um, hiring or that, um, uh, but say our digital marketing manager, Cedar, um, who's been such a huge like asset to our team. We, we, yeah, we don't follow like a linear process mm. for hiring. We sort of were like stumbling around on LinkedIn that we didn't even use. I don't think I'd updated my profile in like a hundred years and we just sent her a DM and I don't, yeah, she never worked live? in marketing
0: before. Pardon? I feel like I might know this, Cedar. Cedar no. purchase?
1: I know she was my neighbor. Yes, she. Oh my gosh. she says actually she said that she was your neighbor
0: <laughs> years ago before I yeah. moved to Sydney. Oh my god, she's
1: been incredible, but yeah, she never worked in marketing hi, Sita. Um,
0: before. To it. <laughs>
1: yeah, hi, Zita.
0: <laughs> she's cool. She's yeah, just she's cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> 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 I haven't seen her in 10 years, but I remember her being cool.
2: We scouted so, her and hunted her down like absolute weirdos and sent her a DM. So, yeah, like,
0: process. we didn't
1: even end interview anyone else we just talked to her on the phone and we were like you're perfect oh you've you're never done Duke. this before great
0: <laughs> she's a great vibe tell her I said hi <laughs> we'll do <laughs> I love that finding the right match right yeah I was actually I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to ask that question is how has it been and I know that people Often asked me this question is like, you know, you've you've finally developed it, you've got some traction, you kind of, you know, you've done the friends and family thing, plus a few, you know, extra kind of exhausted your, you know, making everyone you know buy it and tell everyone about it, right? It's like, and then how do you keep growing and expanding your marketing? And and do you go down a a, pa- a path of, you know throwing huge money into Facebook ads or an agency or whatever or or the slow and steady but what was your kind of approach to to marketing and growth from yeah obviously a small team but yeah
2: I think we're literally in that (laughs) seat up we're (laughs) in that place now where we really are making some really strong strategic decisions around this. I think marketing from the beginning, like creative, was a huge part of um, selling our product, you know, just the visual um, concept creation behind it and also just, you know, networking and then selling amongst people that we know. And now we're at that point where we really do want to grow and we do want to sell, you know, throughout Australia and internationally. And we are having these discussions around like where is it best to spend our money? Is it that we want to do big advertising campaigns um, through social media or, um, you know, go with distributors um, in different countries. So it's kind of like we're actually in that place now where we're making those decisions um, and the best way forward because, you know, we're both kind of backgrounds and creative and out-of-the-box thinkers. But when it comes to like, you know, digital marketing, marketing and those kinds of areas which are so specialised, we uh, will be the first to say we don't actually, we don't know how to do that. And (laughs) we (laughs) are in a position where we want to learn more and actually probably grow into that area now Mm. at the moment because we actually haven't explored that as a business. It's something that's new to us and we haven't spent a huge amount of
0: um, funding on um, advertising spend really at all. Mm. Yeah. And so so really how far in before you started thinking, three years, three or four years, before you actually started to think about marketing spend?
1: Yeah, like we've done some, um, you know, Instagram, like like promo or post on Instagram and things mm. and same with Facebook, but it's been quite um, experimental, I guess. Mm. Um, and, you know, we've done other things like pay stops in Melbourne and, you know, just connecting with like different <clears throat> audiences. But we've, to be honest, like we've been reinvesting all our money into product development um, mm. was first and, and foremost. And then, yeah, now we're kind of more exploring like the advertising mm. realm, which, yeah, as Sue said, like it's not our forte. So just, um, yeah, whether we need the assistance from like an agency or, you know, people more specialised in that area.
0: Yeah. no, it's, it, it's an interesting point too because it's like do you spend money on advertising now or do you develop your range so that you've got more to sell and more to serve and, you know, a a bigger checkout um, Mm. and then do the advertising? I don't know if that was a conscious decision or not.
2: I think it definitely marketing plays such a pivotal role. And I think like as the business grows, like we'll probably become a lot more strategic. I think for us, like, making sure the creative side of the business and the products um, are in the place exactly where we need them to be and fix all the problems that we've had to fix to arrive where we are now. Now I think is the time where the business is really, we're going to shift into a new phase where marketing is like going to probably be the number one focus for us. Um, But we've probably just done things backwards because I know some businesses will probably be like, I'm going to spend heaps on marketing and that's, it's going to sell the Mm. product, but maybe it's, um, maybe it's to our own detriment that selling hasn't been at the forefront of our mind. It's really making sure the product and the integrity is there before we go and grow the business, um, you know, in a really different direction.
0: I actually love that as a strategy because it's like getting your ducks in a row and making sure you're ready to scale. Because yeah, yeah. I, as a coach, I've also had people who've scaled too quickly and have had to come back and set up systems and you know, mm. all fixed products that you know didn't cut it once they went to scale and things like that. So um yeah, no, I think that's a really good way. I mean, I think everyone does it, whatever suits them. But um yeah, I love that. Hey, can I this is a really personal selfish question, but it's my podcast. So um <laughs> <laughs> I have been dying to the what are the re are they reusable eye um, the angel perhaps? eye jellies. Okay, yeah. I need to know how they work because I'm obsessed with those things. I I but I buy them, you know, one-time, single-use things. And I've seen yours online, and I've been trying, meaning to research. What do you put them in the fridge? How does it? What do you put gel on it? What is it? How is it? Are you the first ones to do it? It's brilliant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm. Um, I think under eye patches are, um, traditionally, um, a one-time use, and they'll um already be like soaked in the product to help mm. uh, penetrate, like, into the skin, basically. So we, yes, created a reusable like um, they're silicon under eye jellies. And so they pair well with like our skin sponge serum, which is a really hydrating formula. Um, and so you can just dab the serum like under your eye and then place the jelly over the top. Um, and then you can just rinse and reuse them. So you can use it with other under eye products that you might have at home as well. And it just helps... Um, basically like lock in that hydration and um gives the product time to like penetrate into your skin basically
0: amazing Genius. and
2: they're fun <laughs> yeah we'll and have to cool send you a care. we will send yeah.
0: you a care. We'll put <laughs> together a little care package for you oh my god I would love that I feel like bags are my biggest thing about getting old <laughs> and it's like what well, do you have to be on video and stuff but it's, everyone yeah.
1: has that I think I'm the same I look in the mirror and I'm like I think I look
2: as old as I feel
0: <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> when it starts to show in your eyes, you're like, okay, I can't avoid aging.
2: <laughs> we have aged it like probably 10 years in the last yeah. year. I think Alex and I, like, that's one thing we've noticed. We like, yeah. we've aged. It's been <laughs> aged.
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually was listening to a podcast about dying recently and about how we shouldn't shy away from it and that most cultures, use, you know, and especially Indigenous cultures sit with it and it's like you don't, you know and our culture it's quite problematic because people start dying we put them in a hospital and or a nursing home and we close the door and we don't want to know about it you know it's interesting so
2: no, it is
1: interesting it actually reminds me of this book um that I love "An untethered soul by
0: Michael I Singer I love that book game changer
1: game changer and the last yeah. chapter I think is what a privilege it is that we're Not one of the only species, but to be aware of our own mortality because it helps Mm. us live with a reference of time. Like,
0: yeah. Anyway, we could go (laughs) down. Come back (laughs) next week for for our our book club. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for sharing so much in such, you know, real talk about the business and businesses and yourselves. If you were to leave our listeners with the number one tip, I know there's been lots in here already, but I'm going to give you both a chance to give your own tips in case they differ or you can collaborate. But what would your number one tip be for someone out there looking to start or scale their own business?
2: Oh, just don't be afraid to, to just start because if you don't start, you'll never know. So I think like you can have so many blocks if you're looking to start your own business and you might be like, I don't have any money or I'm not um, experienced in this or I'm not qualified in this. And it's like you can just, if you can just find a way to start and move forward, you'll only learn from there because you shouldn't be afraid of failure because you're even if you do succeed you're always there's always going to be failures so it's like it just um find a way forward to just do what you love and it's like if money's a block you'll find a way if you're not experienced you'll find a way because you might partner with someone so it's like just be really real and like just yeah just find a place to move forward and start I don't know hopefully yeah, that is love it.
0: no great advice Thank you. I'd agree
1: Thank you. with Sue on that. I think that, yeah, not, um, not being fearful. I think we're like, you know, so often afraid of being embarrassed and it's like, none of us know what we're doing. Like, and I think, you know, about advice that my dad gave me, you know, a few years ago, that was really pivotal that it's trusting. It's trusting more in your own capacity to overcome you know, mm. whatever, more even more so than you believe in your product or your brand or your business structure. It's believing in um, your own capacity to,
0: to make it happen, basically. And mm. to, um, yeah, self efficacy. Self efficacy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I, it's, I love that. And it's the, I was also listening to this other podcast about you can learn a skill set, but most skill sets are limited to what the skill set is you know, the industry or the experience or the moment. So it's like I learned to code a website, right? But this that I can't apply that skill set to my relationship or whatever. And it's like learning attributes of, you know, patience and resilience and things like that. It's like that's where we need to be spending, you know, where, where do we spend time in cultivating those skill sets? Not, they're not skill sets, they're attributes. Um, but, yeah, I love that. It's so true because I think you know, when you approach a business, you can go, yeah, if you've got the mindset and the person next to you that says, let's figure this out, we need a, an engraver. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You'll work it out. Like just trust that you can work it out because you
0: will. Yeah. That's great advice. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being here. Congratulations. I look forward to the next phases and beyond and whatever other businesses you come up with. Um, But yeah, thank you also for all the work that you've done in championing like the sustainability side of it too. Well, thank you for the
1: opportunity. It's such a privilege
0: to speak with you. Oh, loved having you. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in guys and hope you enjoyed the episode and as a little off-air treat that just came through, Sue and Alex have kindly offered our Startup Creative community a 10% off code so if you like the sound of their products and what they're doing and would like to go and check out their sexy bottles and products. You can use the code Startup10, U P one zero for a 10% off code off their website. The website is foil, F-O-I-L-E dot com dot A-U. Look forward to hearing what you think of the chat and the products. I'll personally be checking out their eye gel treatments. Uh, so stay tuned for that and have a great day.